0: Okay, welcome, 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 folks. It's um, 1 a.m. New Zealand time, 11 a.m. Australian Eastern time. So we're going to jump straight on into this week's webinar, uh, the second in our series of how the best restaurateurs are defining success in a, in a post-COVID world. My name's Richard McLeod, and I'm the CEO at Loaded uh, Reports and Guest HQ. And today we are joined by Marty McCaig, the operations manager at Made in the Shade Group and the owner of the South Press Wine Park. Welcome Marty. Good to be here. Thank you for having me, Richard. No problem. We have uh, just momentarily lost our, um, our third wheel, Poppy Gresson, our Australian general manager, who has been lining up all of the uh, great restaurateurs who have been joining us. So so we may see her pop up at, at, at some stage. Uh, so just quickly before we, we jump into uh, finding out about Marty's illustrious career and um, the moves they are making uh, to continue to be successful in a post COVID world. Um, I'll just give you a quick overview of, for those of you who don't know, um, Loaded Reports, which I'm the CEO of, uh, is a hospitality software company that um, integrates in with your point of sale and helps you manage all of your time and attendance, your inventory, your cash ups and reconciliation, your budgeting. Um, and, uh, and a whole host of other stuff. So, uh, at the end of the webinar, um, if you can stay on, uh, for those of you we have got a um, the opportunity for you to enjoy Loaded Free for until the end of November, given the current uh, hospitality climate we're living in. Um, so, yeah, for those of you that are interested, stay on to the end, and I'll give you some further details of that as well. Um, so, Marty, jumping jumping straight on in. Um, I mean, it's always uh, super interesting from my perspective to understand. Um, you know, to become a sort of overnight success takes a whole lot of toil and graft, and a career and and experience of making a whole lot of mistakes. And but I'm I'm really interested in in uh, in your journey. You know, from from your Blurb that Poppy's put together. We know that hospitality's been in your blood, um, with parents that were were in the industry. Yeah. Uh, But but I'd love you just to tell us, uh, take us back to those days when you were living above the pub, and and um, the kind of journey you've been on to get where you
1: are today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I I grew up in uh, Rochester, which is a small town outside of in Northern Victoria. Um, Living above a pub since I was ten through to when I moved to Melbourne. So, quite an interesting period of time. Um, but yeah, definitely hospital in our blood. Um parents were publicans for near on twelve years. Um, I'm which sure was that, the pub
0: they um that that you're talking about, that was that the the first time they'd been publicans or had they traditionally been involved in hospitality through and through as well?
1: No, that was the first time. So first pub they had was when I was about eight and then they bought another one in town which um had living quarters upstairs, essentially, so we moved in there just to make it a little bit easier. But yeah, I mean, it was great. I mean, there's nothing better than going out in a pub as a kid, um, and especially when you get to those um, later years in your teens. Everyone at school wants to be friends with you because you have access to, um, you know, the booze, which you're not allowed to drink. So that um, no, was a lot of fun. But we were we were pretty. My sister and I were pretty academic kids, so um, our parents definitely um, wanted us to explore other options and. Uh, my sister went into law school and I went into um immunology. So yeah, quite quite different. Um but yeah, right. yeah. So that
0: um that uh, the immunology um degree and, and follow up research and things you did must uh give
1: you some pretty in- interesting insights into the world we've been living in for the last six months. Yeah, well, I, I guess <laughs> a number of um, family members have said, I probably should have stayed in that industry rather than go back to hospitality. But- um, Yeah, there are um, probably two fields that are facing um, uh, different challenges at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good to have a, a, a great understanding of it, but um, yeah, it certainly doesn't make things easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure.
0: So, uh, how many years, um, Uh, were you studying and and completing your research? Uh,
1: Four years studying, five years with Honours, and then six years um, in total working just outside um, of the degree, Um, but yeah, it was an amazing experience working for World Health Organization in Australia, was um, quite intense as you can imagine, and we were in the vaccination team for influenza, Um, so super interesting. Um, I left there to work on another project in vaccination development, but um, that was put on pause. So I ended up working for an old publican that I had worked part-time in through university. Um, They were opening a new pub in Port Melbourne, The Rose, Um, Chris and Harry, used to have the Botanical in South Yarra. And so I just thought I'd go back there and um, yeah, worked some hospital hours whilst I waited for that other project to ramp up again, but
0: quickly then, got sucked up to the hospital, have,
1: hospital have again. You, had, had you done the part-time hospo
0: work to sort of fund yourself through university? Yeah, was yeah. what you were doing was pretty full-on
1: and you weren't able to? Or Yeah, the first two to three years definitely worked hospo. Um, I think pulling beers was an easy way to um, get some extra cash. But yeah, the last few years, obviously we couldn't do much outside of the study right so it was it was
0: some time out um totally of hospo and then a research project was paused which
1: yeah yeah so that was paused so i just went back straight back into hospo which was um an easy move and quite a fun one obviously um i think they're very different worlds and when you're immersed in one world which is so intense and then coming back to hospitality and you know it was very much hospo heydays back there so it was it was quite Fun and um, yeah, I mean, it'd been a number of years since I'd been in the industry, so it was quite good to see where it was going. Well, and
0: and you took that role, and I think you also um, this is when you dive
1: your your interest in wine really started to peak. And you yeah yeah absolutely. I mean, we didn't have when I was when I was growing up in Hospo, when in my teens, I certainly didn't have the access or the palate for wine um, that I do now, or when I came back into the industry. But um, I think studying wine and and certainly learning more about the back end of the industry sort of facilitated that, um, I guess, academic side um, of my brain and then um, sort of the, the social aspect of the industry um, facilitated the other side. So it was kind of a, a good meet in the middle, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. And, and has it basically been a case of... Um of never looking back to um, to the research and academia world? Like, was it- Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I stay pretty
1: data. interested. I stay pretty interested, and I guess this is, I mean, a good time to to stay within that, that old world that I was in. But yeah, definitely, I mean, didn't look back. They're, they're, the industry sets <laughs> you up, and it's an amazing industry, especially in Melbourne. And I think definitely the industry in country Victoria compared to the industry in Melbourne, um, you know it, it's it's just quite vast and and yeah it's, it's an amazing industry to be part of
0: yeah right so i mean what sort of age were you when um you you dive back into to hospo with um when your research project was paused
1: yeah look 25 26 um yeah, right. so, yeah definitely at, you know good age to come back into the industry
0: and has it has it just been a fairly steady progression in terms of the jobs and roles you've taken, and um, yeah, been some progression yeah. which has kept you kind of abreast and
1: interested, or yeah, uh, I definitely when when I came back, um, that was the era of the gastropub. Um, so I did the rounds of a few pubs, working for some great operators, um, and um, then probably early 30s, started, um, did the jump into more fine dining and event side of the industry with the Van Handel Group, which was amazing. And I was with them for seven years before I um, started my own venture and obviously went on to Made in the Shade as well. So um, what yeah, it was sort of, what different. Sort of roles did you take on with the Van Heldon? Um, started off as a restaurant manager and then was general manager for Com, which was one of their inner city venues. Um, right. And then we went on to open Battle at the Art Centre, which is where I left them. But yeah, they're, I mean, an amazing, beast in the Melbourne industry. So yeah, it was learn a lot of things there. Yeah, right. And then how did the how did the South
0: Press uh, opportunity arise? And and had you always sort of hoped that you'd you'd have your own venue once? Um, I mean, seven years is quite a long time with with you know one yeah. and one hospitality group. Is this?
1: Yeah, I think you always get. Itchy feet. And I think because my family had, um, a venue, there was always, it was always an interest. Um, I guess we, you know, it was a pretty classic story of a few mates getting together going, we should totally do our own thing, um, which eventuated into something, um, and a new challenge. And I think when you, in any industry that you're working, in, if you are deciding to make your own venture in that industry, that it's an, it's an incredible challenge that you have to be prepared for and, um, if you make that jump and, and it works out, then I think you're very lucky. And um, yeah, I think it's just one of those things as well. I wanted to keep challenging yourself. Sure, so, so you got together
0: with some friends and, and you had an idea of the kind of venue and things you wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and, and then how did the the opportunity kind of present
1: and, and progress? Did you take over an existing side or? Uh, no, we didn't. We, um, we always wanted to do something wine focused Um, The wine bar seems pretty taking off. So we decided that was a um, pretty easy and appropriate option. Um, We knew the location, well, the the suburb we wanted. And it was a matter of finding a space that we thought was pretty user friendly. So unfortunately, we didn't find a space that was already existing. So we took on an old um, furniture store and um, made it into a bar. So that took a bit longer to open than anticipated. But um, yeah, glad we did it now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, right. And and if I was to take you back to those sort of um, kind of initial weeks and months with the, the the friends that you were were opening South Press with, is there was there kind of key things that you'd you'd learned from the previous roles and employers? And I'm and I'm kind of I guess I'm interested with this academic research, systematic sort of process background that you that you no doubt um uh had gained a lot of experience in during your academic years versus the creative flamboyant um kind of traditional hospitality operator probably particularly in Melbourne in those years yeah. and sort of how you know where where you sat and, and thought appropriate was for, for what you wanted to do. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely and I think that's, um that's a question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I I yeah, I understand. I think um yeah, I think you especially background and also the people I'd worked for there was definitely a, a focus from my end in in making sure that um everything came together and worked really well. The numbers worked. Um was a good there was a good background because you I mean you hear horror stories of people Jumping from, say, a good example might be football into into the into the bar world just because it looks easy and it's certainly not. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a matter of whilst we were still mates, wanting to you know do something challenging. It was still a matter of getting all the ducks in a row, making sure everything works. And and
0: from your perspective in terms of uh, um, now suddenly becoming an owner, what what were the major differences you found from? despite having relatively senior roles and having been with a, pr- a pretty successful group for a long time, what yeah. do you remember the kind of stresses that you didn't expect to have or the uh, headaches you
1: suddenly thought, man, I didn't realise uh, I'd have to deal with this? or Yeah, look, I mean, essentially, the job doesn't change from um, managing something to owning something. I think the, the risk increases and um, it becomes more challenging because everything comes the buck stops with you and you definitely, you know, everything comes from your own pocket. So, um, yeah, it's just a matter of, of really, um, watching the numbers and, and definitely as an owner, you become more, um, cost effective and um, your language changes and, you know, you start, you have a currency of chairs all of a sudden where you, where you really start understanding what everything in the, in the dining room or the bar costs. So it's quite, um, yeah, it's 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 a ride, that's for sure.
0: And was it plain sailing? Or do you look back and there were some times where, I mean, did you open the doors and it was a flood of customers and your system and your process kind of all held up, or uh, is there times you look back and go, man, you know, I wasn't sure if we were actually going to make it through, or?
1: Uh. I think if I think if you it, you know especially in the in the early years you might sometimes think you're plain sailing but you're um, delusional. Um, I think you've got to be you've got to be always on your toes and you know you have to continue to adapt regardless of whether you had a good summer or a or a bad winter. Um, um, there's always things that you know, product, labour always continues to increase in costs, um, rentals and outgoings as well. So you've got to always be on your toes and ensuring that you're watching it. So, um, I mean, the first year is great. It's always fun when you, when you open something new and and then you have to set into the reality of, of longevity. Yeah, sure. Sure. Once the, once
0: the kind of initial puff of energy, uh, yeah. and adrenaline that comes yeah. with it and you've got to turn up and do the routine. And so how far through at that point did, um, did your, um, friends that made in the shade, uh, make an approach or at what point did that discussion happen?
1: Yeah look, I mean Mike and I have been friends for 10 years, we worked together um, when he came back from New York, um, so we'd always been in, in close contact. Um, it was right when Michael and Zara opened Heartbreaker, which was the second venue um, following the Evelyn Made in the Shade, that they um, we caught up one day and they needed some help in um, I guess the back end of of, of systems and process, so I offered it my assistance, which was initially one day a week and then over a quick amount of time that became a full- time job in itself. so Ah right, so it's been quite an organic
0: kind of kind of process from a discussion to a bit of help to Yeah I mean, the, if it, it suddenly jumped from one day to five days a week. Yeah, but it's, it's a little unusual right to both be an owner in the industry and uh, then be working for for a group as a, a, in an ops role. How do, you, how do you balance the two
1: yeah i mean it it's, it changes every week, um, but i'm lucky enough I was lucky enough with Southwest to have great team behind me there, um, another owner that was operational um, and um, yeah it was a very easy process to to go into ops role with made in the shade and look it 's great to have your own your own venue and um, and really ingrain yourself in that, but it 's also great to have your fingers in. A couple of things and just be across um, and really sort of sink into the industry in a number of ways I think being across so many different um, venues and different areas of hospitality different little sectors of hospitality is is incredibly beneficial because you can keep your finger on the pulse so
0: yeah and, and constantly learn and understand what the market's doing and
1: yeah and I think you know the processes and the overlays are exactly the same in every venue it just um, there's minor differences but if you can if you find a good processes and you and you outlay them across multiple venues then, then you 're already winning i think
0: yeah sure, sure so I am always interested in this in this again it's perhaps the same question repeated, but uh, um, for a different situation this the balance of the the creative hospitality owner and kind yeah. of the, still the the need for system and process to create some financial structure and, um, long-term success. Yeah. Um, the, the guys that, um, uh, Mike and it's Zara or Sarah? Zara. Yeah. Uh, Mike and Zara, I, I take it, a really quite at the creative, um, end of the spectrum and, and looking for assistance with ops. How, how did that, can you actually take us sort of through some of the practical steps, how that looked once you kind of stepped in there and the- Yeah, absolutely, and,
1: and yeah, you're right. They are incredibly creative. Um, they have an amazing attention to detail and they're um, really driven and, and passionate about the industry. So it's great to be part of that, um, but and to enable them to be, to continue to do that, having myself in the ops role and sort of back ending that system and process. We have very different streams. Um, and different lanes that we stay in, and then um, whilst we still challenge each other, it, it always ends up in the best result. Um, it allows us to focus on our strengths.
0: Sure. And how does so? How does your day-to-day role look with with um, with Made in the Shade? Have you got venue managers that that report in directly to you? And yep. is it, um quite a you know a formal structure, or is it um, is it that they? Uh, you're just catching up with them on a regularly informal basis, or how how do you kind of manage
1: that? Um, yeah, look, we have to be pretty structured, but um, and we have sort of a set a set week and a set month that we look at with all of our senior team. But as we know, I mean, things change pretty quickly and can change pretty quickly. Um, so there's always a bit of um, wiggle room in the, in our week. Um, yep. But I guess we we ensure that our managers get the time they need. We ensure that um, or the senior team have the tools they need. And as long as we achieve those every week, then any of that wiggle room tends to be um, positive wiggle room and, and stuff that always can be good results as well.
0: Yeah, right. So if we, if we were to just look at say say one venue, um, this week's probably not a great week to pick, <laughs> <but> in, a, <laughs> in a standard 2019 week, um, how, how
1: might that look between you and, and one of the venue managers? We, um, we spend the, the initial part of our week on the Monday and Tuesday sort of digesting the week prior, um, understanding all those financial pillars that we have to focus on, um, getting all the reports in play from, from the finance team and then really making any changes that we need for that week ahead. Um, we obviously... What are the
0: key financial um, uh, measures that you're, that you're looking at on a week? Yeah, week?
1: so you just you know, cost control, obviously controlling what... Um, uh, the cost of the product coming in, any of those smaller overheads that the managers have control of themselves and then obviously the bigger ones being revenue and labour.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. So that's that's monitored on a weekly basis for, for the previous week and then um, so that's the digestion piece. Um, yeah. And sorry, I cut you off, but I was just interested to... Um, and then once you've gone through the digesting of the previous week, um, how does the the planning for the upcoming week look?
1: Well, the majority of the planning for the weeks are all done way in advance. Um, we try and work as, as far in advance at least a month, if not three months. Um, and obviously, um, those conditions that arise from weeks prior, as we get to understand what's happening, and that could be anything from weather, um, yeah, changes with product, um, massive sporting events that are coming into town, like you know the AFL grand final or anything like that, that can potentially change what our... Our model or our forecast looks like, then we need to be across those things so that we can make the changes. Um, because assessing the week, a week, assessing the week prior is sometimes a bit late um, to yeah. change some of those sort of really important numbers. And you know, I think <laughs> given the current circumstances that we're in, that's it's a sort of key. Um, it, it shows how quickly um, things change. So you're you're really pulling those venue managers up
0: out of there. Their day to day to to look forward so that you've actually got the time
1: to plan and yeah make the necessary changes yeah absolutely absolutely and we and we operate at the way the group operates is we've always been incredibly transparent um, with the numbers we're always incredibly transparent with expectations so that there's no surprises um, and and we always um, try and train and, and and teach all of our team to be really self sufficient where they can and. Um, so that they can make those key decisions really, really quickly, and you know, and support where we can on making sure that we've given them the you know the runway that they need to to achieve.
0: Yeah, right. And I mean, how many venue managers do you, would you have would you have worked with over the past? How many years is it
1: with Made in the Shade? Uh, five now. Um, so we've got the three main venues there, and I think um, we've had pretty good. Retention rate, so we're very lucky. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, so three at any one time, but probably. Up- you
0: are yeah. ever in the market for a venue manager, or you're looking to promote. What are the What are the qualities and skill set that that you know, are really front of mind for you that you know have proven successful?
1: And- yeah. Um, look, I mean, communication is always a key for us. Um, Attention to detail, and I mean, as great as it is, obviously to have people that with with a vast amount of experience, we understand that the industry these days we don't have the the I guess the luck to have to have a massive pool of really skilled and and successful people. So we would hope that at any time that we're recruiting, that we would recruit from within, that we've done the right job with training the team underneath the the venue managers, that they're ready to take that step up. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not we, you know we rely on um, we've got an amazing HR resource to assist us, but we would rely on um, you know brand name and stuff to be able to attract the right people to those roles yeah right and um, how, how
0: does the at that venue manager level if someone is stepping into that role, how does the, the kind of training and um, support and things look like? Um, I guess from you or from other people in the um, yeah. operations team?
1: Yeah, uh, if, they, if they're starting, I mean, they get, they get, we spend a lot of time together making sure that they understand um, the company first and foremost, the um, ethos yeah. that we have, um, and then that they understand obviously the venue, the numbers, that um, they have no questions when they're taking over. Um, obviously, there's an amazing, Um, they've always got a great team to take over. So making sure that they spend time with the team and the expectations there from the teams that they're meeting those um, as well. Um, But I think the success that we've had with some of those venue managers has been their time with other venue managers within the group. Right. Um, Because I think you can learn as much as you can of someone like myself, but you can also learn um, an incredible amount of someone that's in the same position in the same company. Um, and where
0: so do, the do they spend Do they spend quite a bit of time together, or how, yeah? How?
1: We have we try and have our weekly um, management meetings together with all the management team, yeah, um, so that they can share their um, positives and negatives for the weeks. Um, they often learn a lot with that, and you know, Michael and I and myself are always in those meetings to ensure that they have all the tools that they need. So,
0: yeah, right, right. So there's um, they're not they're not sitting out there certainly on their own um in their own vacuum or silo
1: no um, i think it's pretty lonely in like that sometimes yeah
0: yeah yeah um probably okay when things are going great but but certainly if uh yeah. if for whatever reason you're having um a tougher time than the people rest of the people in the group so what like what would um what uh, despite the fact you've got it um you know different style of outlets what what are the commonalities you're hoping that you know, as a customer um, that walks into any made in the shade venue? What you know, what would you be hoping the 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 feeling they're getting from from being at one of your venues is all about?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, we pride ourselves in in quality products, um, and you know, I guess yeah, we and Margot and, and Heartbreaker, we've got um, an amazing. Um, beverage program, so we do have that 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 sort of linear um, or DNA between all of the drinks, regardless of whether it comes out of a tap or or if it's a, a, you know stirred cocktail. But yeah. um, I think you know we're an incredibly guest centric group. Um, people before drinks is the motto that we have, and and. Um, it's that service, and you know we believe in old school hospitality, and we, we and we and we continue to strive to to bring it back to the forefront of the industry because I think it's can be missing, and um, you know people are only going to return if they have a good time.
0: And so is that something that's kind of constantly, um, you know, discussed among the group, like how how that can be a constantly improving process? Yeah. What, what sort of percentage of your energy and time and discussions would you say goes into um you know I guess just the constant evolution and improvement of that
1: yeah a lot of a a lot of time it's hard to put a number on it because I think you spend more time on it than you think um because you spend a lot of time like looking around to the industry and um your peers and the people you admire in the industry and what they're doing as well and Mm -hmm. and really try and embrace the things that are successful and working along the industry and we really like spend a lot of time talking to our our guests and making sure that we're doing everything that they expect of us and if there's any you know we all get negative feedback every now and then and we have to take that on board and and if we do get negative feedback it goes all around the group and and even if it's at one venue that gets fixed amongst everything that we do so
0: yeah right so and it sounds like I mean both yourself and Mike and Zara are very close to the the front line like
1: yeah i yeah and, and you know it's it, it becomes increasingly difficult especially for mike and zara sometimes because um they you know they're 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 the head of the company making sure everything right from that end and being making you know and planning the next venue and the, and the five venues after that um and as we grow and we've had success growing exponentially as a company it gets incredibly hard to know to, to continue to know the ins and outs of everything and and um, whilst we trust that we have great people, you still want to be incredibly involved, like, and to the point of knowing, you know, <laughs> if one dish didn't go out in the right temperature or or one drink didn't go out correctly. So we want to know everything, and I think yeah. that's important. You do,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if, it, if the if the standards are everything, then um, being as close to where those standards are um, occurring is is pretty important, right?
1: Yeah, and absolutely. Not
0: necessarily just from. It all being about accountability, but like you say, being able to support when, for whatever reason, something in the process is not quite working, yeah. they're not quite able to deliver to the standard that you like.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the responsibility is ours. Um, so, you know, that you can't, you, you certainly can't blame or um, you can't blame anyone, you, you know, become at the buck stops with you at all, at all points. So mm-hmm. And, uh, and look, talk to me
0: about um, about 2020 for both for, for South press and, and, and made in the shade uh, uh, Everyone in Australia and New Zealand realizes that um, that Victoria has had the uh, the toughest time to kind of operate through and continues to do so so I'm, I'm interested in kind of this uh, I'm aware there's, you know, you've you've got some other um, strings to your bow. at made in the shade, and and I'm just interested in the sort of innovation that's been going on and the changes that have been taking place.
1: Yeah, and look, I mean, it it, it you know everyone knows it's been challenging. I think we're not the only industry that's that's been affected. We're certainly, um, you know, we're aware of everything. Um, but I think that at that initial shock, and we're talking back in March now, of when those first sort of Restrictions came into play and then quickly followed by the lockdowns. Um, Incredibly challenging. And um, we went from a team of 80 to a team of six to a team of back to 30, you know, in in a matter of weeks because of the different restrictions that we had to sort of abide by from the government. But you have to take it on the chin and you have to um, to adapt and you have to... um, um, just be be awa- be ready to change again at any point because we 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 have gone through so many different changes and different restrictions and um, yeah, it's just one of those things that you you didn't ever expect to happen in this industry. So um, look, yeah, we yeah, I mean,
0: it's, to to a certain extent, it's it's well, not to a certain extent, to almost certainly it's survival mode for for so many operators. Has there other than just adapting to the constant change of regulation and, and um, rules that you're you're operating within. Has there been any sort of significant innovation that's come out of, or energy being poured into one part of the business to-
1: Yeah. We,
0: we, we, up those holes that
1: yeah. no doubt exist? Um, We were fortunate enough to already have Everly Bottling Co. Um, their bottle cocktail business in play and we were one of the first to hit that market I think five years ago now, but, um, so that company was, was full steam ahead and the logistics, uh, um, logistics were already good to go. So, I mean, that, that sort of ramped up, um, to, to plug some of the hole, but certainly not all of it. Um, so that we had a lot of energy going into that, but at the same time, obviously understanding what the, what the adaptation needed to be for the venues. So we definitely jumped on the delivery model like everybody else. Um, and that delivery model changes sort of, we started with hot um, food, drinks, and sort of cook at home menus. And then we've, we've sort of compressed into sort of more um, cook at home and fresh cocktail delivery, which has been really successful. Um, but you know, there's restrictions around that as well and how far we can travel and, and making sure that we adhere to the quality of the product. So um, we also jumped on board with Provador, which was a platform that went sort of more greater than Melbourne, which was great because mm-hmm. it, it had a further reach yeah. um, the the platform itself has a number of really good quality restaurants and bars on it now so that's um so that
0: what what's the differentiator with with with
1: Providor? is it it's um essentially a model where um all of like they invite a number of good restaurants and bars in so we essentially prep the food to a point where you can where you can finish it off at home, um, gets picked up from us the day before and gets delivered overnight by um, okay. the logistics team and it and just the reach it had around Greater Melbourne was awesome. Um, Shane Dilly was behind it, so it, it had a really good like little um, hit of energy and um, it was in, you know it was. In, Coming into stage four lockdowns especially with those with those greater restrictions having something like that was was amazing for us because on top of our own you know in-house delivery we we had another platform that was you know talking to a had a reach of hundreds of thousands of people so we've seen some real growth in that area as well which was awesome
0: right and for, for those of um, uh, guests on the line that don't know about the Everly Bottling company can you run us can you run us through um, exactly what the Everly bottling company focuses on and
1: yeah so we do it we do pre-batch classic bottled cocktails um single serves and we i mean we, we exist in a number of sort of retail and wholesale markets which was um which is great and a lot of those markets continued to grow um we had some new markets come into play we we partnered with a lot of florists um so the gifting market for Flowers and cocktails became a thing during lockdown, which was great to see. Um, right, and does this all fall under
0: your umbrella, or is there a separate team running the bottling co? Or they're,
1: they're, we we have an amazing team running um, running that side of the show, so I I oversee it as as well, but I help where I can. But yeah, they're they definitely a well-oiled machine that take that on.
0: Right, and and so. Were you able to retain similar revenue through the bottling co, or is it increasing? Or did it? Were you able to use that to make up for any of
1: the revenue? Yeah. Look, I mean, we, we could we the revenue for that side of the company increased, um, but yeah, I mean, it certainly didn't plug the gaps that that we um, that we were seeing pre-COVID times. But um, you know, we we adapt to other parts of the of the company as well. So we just um, we just continue to to look at other options, what we can do, and um, and how we can how we can grow that revenue, and and just get prepared as well into into knowing when we can reopen and and how that looks, um, and and having the team and and making sure we've got that ready to go as well.
0: Yeah, and can you take us through some of sort of the discussions you're having internally about? I know that. Yeah last week probably that the reopening plan in Victoria maybe is a bit slower than the industry expected um, but in general the discussions that you're having that you think you know the the changes that you might need to make either for a short to medium term or you know that might be permanent changes that we see in hospitality that, that you guys are going to have to adapt to
1: yeah I think we have a slight and not just us, I think the industry has a slight benefit, you know, we were allowed to reopen for a few weeks in between lockdowns. Mm. And so the preparation in what that takes um, and that, you know, you know, these COVID safe plans that we've had to put in play and just general um, oh and within the venues and, and training around that. So that's already there. Um, I think adapting to having certain space limitations and, um, restrictions around how many hours we can operate. All that sort of stuff is there as well. Um, and they look to return to sort of those pre-lock, pre-stage pre four lockdown. Um, yeah. But obviously the, the, the delay in when they w- will reopen. So now is looking sort of end of November, December. So that's um, adds another challenge. And I think internally we've, we're having a lot of discussions. Obviously we've got an amazing external team of, of advisors um, that we work with. And then we've got an amazing team within the company that um, continue to adapt with us and, and um, you know, assist us in making sure that the current operation that we're doing is really successful, um, but also in making sure that um, when the venues do return to what they, what they were and whatever that new normal ends up looking like, mm-hmm. that, that they will adapt back to that as well, which is challenging. Um, you know we're not only managing our own expectations we we have to manage the team's expectations and understand that they've got their own challenges so yeah
0: yeah that's certainly right and and then um, where where will customers expectations sit as well I suppose our our experience in New Zealand has been that um, you know people would I guess generally so delighted to just be back out and enjoying hospitality again, that they were fairly forgiving if people weren't, yeah. weren't getting it exactly right. But, but that also doesn't, doesn't last that long. <laughs> you know, people have got short memories and then they go back to um, expecting to, you know, be wild and, and to be receiving the kind of standard of offering that they were pr- pretty quickly. Yeah, and I
1: think customer expectation is, you know, is one of the number one challenges of the industry, regardless of circumstances like we're in right now. Um, but, do you, do you um, worry about um, sort of, I guess, the atmosphere of a venue
0: or the general ability to create a customer experience under under rules where there's only a certain amount of people within a venue and and how that yeah. affects you kind of your deep sequence of service and how your staff
1: can interact with people? And. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, venues, you know, the Overlea is a smaller venue, um, but the other venues are quite large. So having restrictions around 20 or if you've got look, lucky enough to have a few spaces within those venues and 40 people is, is seriously lower numbers than we would normally have in those. And we all understand that a venue that is thriving um, with energy is definitely more enjoyable than one that's not. Mm. Um, but we, we made some internal changes in, in um, putting up curtains to sort of make cozier spaces. We changed some of the offerings we started doing you know a beautiful um, food menu at the Everly which we hadn 't done for years because it was obviously a cocktail bar predominantly. but these little things that we can do to sort of um, to make the custom like our guests experience greater um, really succeeded in that in that short period of time and um, we'll expect to do those things when we return, and we'll we'll no doubt have come up with new things as well.
0: Yeah, well, it certainly it certainly seems that that one thing, um, everybody having their back so hard against the wall, does mean that there's, there's there's less fear to to try new things and take take some risks and and test some some new ways of doing things. And yeah. if they don't work, it's not the end of the world. And and if they do work, um, it may be, you know, some, some an innovative new way of doing something within a venue or within a business as a whole. Um, yeah. I think operators are discovering. Um, yeah,
1: and and look, we 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 have to um, we have to try new things all the time. I mean, the industry thrives on us trying new things all the time. Um, but um, you know, we've also got as it's. It's a slight positive. I don't want to um, say that it's a massive one, but we've got an opportunity as operators to really um, have a reset as well. Um, You know, we can really reset, whether it's opening hours or labour models or product offering or what it looks like to really condense where we can and expand in other areas where, you know, where we were struggling with costs before. Say labour models were too intense that we can change that now. Um, You know, us, us for one, we'll return to a three-day operation as opposed to a seven-day operation and we'll we'll make sure that that three-day operation is is squeaky clean and then we'll go to a five-day operation um, when we're allowed. So, like, I think that's an advantage that we have to take on and that we have to look towards perfecting um, and, you know, and just to trust in the fact that we've made the right decisions, that our advisors have made the right decisions and that our team um, um, are doing the right thing and we do. so and how I mean because you're
0: certainly not the first person that's um that that's raised that same point or used that same word of a you know an opportunity to reset for the industry how do you think the industry has ended up at a point where it has allowed itself to effectively be taking less revenue than its um than its labor and and over- labor cost of goods and overheads
1: um yeah Oh, I mean, it can be a touchy subject, I think. Um, But, I mean, we we work in an industry where the the cost of everything remains to um, increase and continues to increase, um, and that's across product, labour, rent, all of the above. Um, So we try and be... um, I think the industry as a whole tries to be competitive where they can, and that's just the price that we that we have the product at um, and we try and keep those prices as low. So that affects our margins always. Um, and yeah, I think in, in, you know, in times like this, when you're trying to do the right thing, these resets just allow us to um, sort of give the customer and give our guests a bit of an understanding of, of where those margins weren't working. Um, so if prices return to be slightly different or slightly higher than they were, there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know every single table or chair in your space does cost money to, for us to service. So we're hoping that there'll be a greater understanding of that, so that the return of the guest just means that there's a there's an there's an understanding that the industry costs an incredible amount of money and time and effort to, to put together.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's sort of from the customer side, isn't it? And then from the the operator side, as as if we if we can't put everything together in a way that we can charge a bit more for it based on the raw cost of everything that's going into it, then either we haven't really done it properly um, because the customer's not prepared to pay for it and we've got to review whether we can simplify.
1: Yeah, and, it's a, and I think it's a combination of all those things. Um, mm, yeah. And we've just got to consistently review that um, and make sure that it works on all ends. And I think that's why I say that we try and work as far in advance as we can. Yeah, sure. And I'm interested whether with how much change
0: and and uncertainty there is, whether the way you know you're working in general has changed. Is there any routines or habits or things that you've um, sort of picked up or changed to to try and make yourself, um, I guess, or to just to help the the group perform through this period?
1: Um, yeah. Look, I think. Um, you know this virtual side of things yeah. and um has been interesting And i think especially for hospitality um we, Zoom calls were a big thing in hospitality six months ago were they <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. um so there's been some efficiencies that we've picked up there in terms of in getting people in the same spaces or not in the same spaces um i think um the you know the ability for a delivery model and a um a model of service inside the venue that we would not have looked at prior um can exist simultaneously now I think um that will that will continue um ourselves we've we've had time i think as well we've we've all had time to reflect you know we've all had time to to really to really assess every aspect of every business and understand what works and what doesn't um, you know, we've had, we've all had, we have, we're not working nights anymore, which is unheard of. Um, you know, we're, we're spending time during the day in the sun. So I think, you know, that becomes part of the reset that we have been gifted in a way. Um, but I think, you know, I think we just, fingers crossed, we, we um, can open um, sooner rather than later. And we can, we can, as an industry, just collectively, you know, band together and, and really show our strength in how we return. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a a pretty nicely,
0: nice way to put it. Um, And just before we finish up, but like, I do love this idea that, that, that hospitality operators come in in, and from, from all walks of life. And, and um, is is there things that you think, if you hadn't gone and done your um, immunology degree and the, and the research work and academic work that you did, um, that you, I guess, that would have made you a different hospitality operator. Is it do you do you th- see things through slightly different eyes at all
1: because of? Uh, yeah, I, I I think so. Absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, it got me out of the country. That's a, a good start. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, absolutely. I think you know the, the you know it adds structure, it adds responsibility, it adds. Um, you know, attention to detail, all those things, and I think, in the, the, one of the great things of the industry is that people that enter in the industry are from all walks of life, um, and I think that's that's what makes it makes it work so well. Um, so, you know, hopefully, at our level, we can offer what we can because of what we've learned, and um, yeah, but yeah, it's certainly been an interesting ride.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 and uh, and got a few uh, twists and turns ahead of it. <laughs> yeah and
1: I'm sure, I'm sure we'll
0: get more as well yeah yeah absolutely um hey look Marty thank you so much um really appreciate hearing that story and um and understanding uh where uh how your career's been built and um and also the, the steps you're taking um right now and and looking ahead to uh to take it made in the shade in south Press. so thanks so much that's been that's been really great um, you're welcome For those of you that are still on the line, um, uh, I said at the start that uh, we are um, obviously pretty aware of how difficult the hospitality industry is at the moment. So, with our loaded product, um, if you head to our website at www.loadedreports.com and either book a demo or sign up for a trial um, for any new sites that come on loaded in Australia. At present, we are offering free use of the system through to November 30th. So um, please take us up on that and and, um, enjoy some of the benefits and cost savings and efficiency that you can create out of running um, your business out of one uh, online cloud-based software system. So thanks so much, Marty. And um, we uh, look forward to catching up with you again in in a few months time and hearing how things are progressing.
1: Yeah, great. Thanks, Richard. Okay, cheers.